Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Uh, just a note, uh, so you remember, be sure to go to LogosBibleStudy.com and sign up for the free course on the book of Job. One of the best courses I think I've done, and uh, it's four weeks long, the month of June, and it includes the four lessons along with every Saturday from 10 to 12, 10 a.m. to noon, uh, a meeting, discussion meeting on Zoom with all the people participating in the course and me, and also uh, my private office hours are open to you on Tuesday and Thursday from 11 a.m. to noon. So I hope to see you there. It's all free, open access to everybody. So tell your friends about it. Be sure you sign up. All right, back to our podcast now. We left off on Monday with Abram from Ur of the Chaldeans emigrating all the way north to Haran and then from Haran all the way south to the Negev. And when he got there, there was a famine in the land. So he continued on to Egypt, where, as we saw on Monday, Sarah, Sarai, was a beautiful woman. And Pharaoh took note. And Abram took advantage, pimping his wife Sarai to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And when Pharaoh found out that she was, Sarah, uh, she was Abraham's wife, not sister. Well, he sent Abram packing, but with a truckload of goods. So now Abram is back home in the Negev. And we put it in Genesis chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev. He and his wife and all that belonged to him, lots of belongings now, and his nephew Lot was with him. Now Abram, was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold, all of which he got in Egypt. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, north into the Central Mountain Range, a little bit north of today, uh, Jerusalem, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. Ai is a little village on the eastern side of the Central Mountain Range, uh, not far from Jericho. Uh, Jericho is just down by the Jordan River, and Ai is up in the hill country uh, immediately to the west, the northwest. Well, he went there between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so abundant that they were not able to remain together. So there's just not enough room for all of us. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And now the Canaanite and Perizzite were dwelling there in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. We're brothers. Well, Abram and Lot. Lot was Abram's nephew, but we're family. Come on, we're brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me 
If to the left, then I'll go to the right. If to the right, I'll go to the left. You choose the land that you would like, and I'll take what's left over. So Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan that was well watered everywhere. So from Ai, he can look down toward Jericho and see the Jordan River flowing south and all that land along the Jordan River is very fertile. So Lot had a look at that. It was well watered, and this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the Garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. And thus they separated from each other. So all that fertile land along the Jordan River, all the way down to the Dead Sea, and around the eastern side of the Dead Sea, all the way down toward the tip of the Dead Sea, all agricultural land. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Sodom was all the way down there at the southern end of the Dead Sea. Now, the men of Sodom were, were exceedingly wicked and sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, west. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. Here we have that promise of property, of real estate, again. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Abram, you are going to have more descendants than the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore or the dust on the ground. Well, that's odd, because Abram and Sarai are childless, and Sarai is barren. So arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came to dwell by the oak of Mamre, or the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Hebron is a very fertile area as well. If you stand in Bethlehem, which is really a suburb of Jerusalem today, and you look south down the valley, way down by the end of the valley, is Hebron. So that's where he settled. Now it came about in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elazar, Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goyim, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Birsha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adam, and Shemaber, king of Zoim, and the king of Bela, that is, Zoar. So, forces are invading. All these came as allies to the Valley of Sidim, that is, the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea. Twelve years they had served Chedorlaomer, but the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year of Chedorlaomer, and the kings that were with him came and defeated the Rephaim in Ashtaroth, 
Kenarim, and the Zuzim in Ham, and the Imim in Shava Kathirim, and the Horites at Mount Seir, as far as El Parad, which is by the wilderness. Major invasion, major wars. Then they turned back and came to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and they conquered all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who lived there in the same area. And the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adam and the king of Zeboim and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, came out and they arrayed for battle against them in the valley of Sidim. So we're going to have a major encounter here. The kings are clashing together. Now the valley of Sidim was full of tar pits and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell into them. But those who survived fled to the hill country. So they head up into the eastern mountain range. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. So the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah get their butts kicked and the invading kings loot the cities. Oh, and they also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. And then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew, ah, first time we hear that Abram is a Hebrew. There were no Hebrews before this. Now, he was living by the Oak of Mamre. Uh, the, uh, the Oaks of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eshcol and brother of Anir, and these were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his relative had been taken, he let out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, we need to pause here and think about what happens. Abram is a very wealthy man at this point, thanks in large part to his sojourn in Egypt. And Abram has a private army living on his land at his expense of 318 men, armed men. And they headed north to rescue Lot. And they went as far as Dan. Dan is the furthest point north. When you say in Israel, everything from Dan to Beersheba, that's like saying everything from coast to coast except it's north and south. Dan today is right up on the border with Lebanon. We travel to Israel quite often. This October, we'll be doing our sixth, my 64th teaching tour uh, to Israel, and we'll go to Dan and visit. Dan today is a, a national park in Israel, beautiful location, and uh, more about that as we continue with our story. But at Dan, we explore the archaeological remains of Dan and also the altar of the golden calf that will be built by Jeroboam in 930 BC. That's up at Dan as well. Also at Dan, recently discovered, is an ancient gate. We call it the Abrahamic gate because Abraham went as far as Dan and then continued north. So when he got to Dan, he had to have stayed overnight. And where would he stay? In the city of Dan. And the city gate is now excavated and on display. 
we always take a group picture in front of that gate. Well, Abram divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants had and defeated them. And they pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. Now from Dan, if you drive northeast up into the mountains, you can stand and look north and on a clear day, see the outskirts of Damascus. That's where they, where they head. So Abram rescues Lot, brought back all the goods and also brought back his relative Lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. So Abram rescues Lot. After his return from the defeat of Tedeleomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley. So now they're back home. And then a very odd thing happens, a very odd thing indeed. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. And he, Melchizedek, blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all that he had. That is, all the loot captured from the kings in the north. A tenth of it, a tithe, was given to Melchizedek. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours. For fear, you would say, I made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Anir, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their share. So Abram refuses to take anything from the king but we had this strange figure, this mysterious Melchizedek. Huh. Everyone so far in Genesis has been introduced by a genealogy. We began this series on Abram Monday by looking at his genealogy. Terah was his father, and we move on in the story. The genealogy introduces the character. But Melchizedek is not introduced by a genealogy. Melchizedek simply appears out of nowhere. Very mysterious. And apparently he's greater than Abram because Abram gives him a tenth of everything. And then Melchizedek simply disappears. How strange. 
Who could this guy be? Does he recur anywhere else? Well, he, he's mentioned only one more time in Psalm 110, verses 1 through 4. Let me read it to you. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand while I make your enemies a footstool. The scepter of your might, the Lord extends your strong scepter from Zion. Have dominion over your enemies. Yours is princely power from the day of your birth. In holy splendor before the day star, like dew I begot you. The Lord has sworn and will not waver. You are a priest forever in the manner or line of Melchizedek. Well, this is a psalm of David. And David says, the Lord says to my Lord. So apparently, this is someone greater than David. Who will be a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek? Follow that thread through the Bible. The epistle to the Hebrews identifies David's Lord as Jesus, making the typology of Melchizedek and Jesus explicit. We read in Hebrews 7, 14 to 17. It is clear that our Lord Jesus arose from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. All the priests in Israel are from the tribe of Levi. It is even more obvious, continues Hebrews, if another priest is raised up after the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become so, not by a law expressed in a commandment concerning physical descent, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed, that is, by resurrection. For it is testified, you, Jesus, are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So Hebrews thus views Jesus as the fulfillment and completion of the Melchizedekian priesthood. I'll be darned, the mysterious Melchizedek. And if you go to the website, logosbiblestudy.com, I have a blog that I posted on May 14th titled, The Mysterious Melchizedek. Have a look at it, and you'll learn more about this figure. And there's a wonderful painting of him as well uh, that I have reproduced on the blog. So we meet Melchizedek. And that moves us to chapter 15 of Genesis. After all these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Yeah, you told me, that I would have descendants more than the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky, or the dust on the ground. And here I am, childless, and my wife Sarai is barren. So what do you mean by this? Abram continued, Since you've given me no offspring, one born in my house is my heir. My servant will be my heir. All this wealth that I acquired in Egypt, that I built up after I came back, after I 
defeated the kings up north. All the wealth. And I have no son. So who will get it? Apparently, Eleazar of Damascus. And behold, the Lord came to him and said, This man, Eleazar, will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, Now look toward the heavens, count the stars if you can. So shall your descendants be. Then Abram believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, reckoned that belief to him as righteousness. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. And Abram said, O Lord God, how may I know that I'll possess it? So he, the Lord, said to Abram, Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought all these to the Lord and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses. Abram drove them away. Now, what an odd scene. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, terror and great darkness came upon him. This is a, a phantasmagorical scene. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land not their own, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. Abram went down to Egypt and became wealthy as a result. But your descendants, who will number more than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore or the dust on the ground, they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years in Egypt. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. Just like you did, Abram, they'll come out of Egypt with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you will be buried at a ripe old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete." So it came about when the sun had set, it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between the pieces. What a phantasmagorical scene. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt, the Nile, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, in Iraq of today. I give you the land from Egypt all the way east to the Euphrates River. The Kenite, uh, uh, the Kenite and the Kenizzite and the Cadmonite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Raphim and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Girgashite and the Jebusite. I give you all, all of their land. 
Well, there we have it. The double blessing. A covenant with Abraham, giving him people, more descendants than stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, and real estate from Egypt to the Euphrates River. That's the promised land. Now think about that land today. From Egypt all the way to the Euphrates River. Israel doesn't have all that land today. They gave the Sinai back to Egypt after the war. And Israel certainly doesn't have any of Iraq or Syria. But there's the promise. If you're an Israelite and you read this, you say, 2,000 years ago, God gave this land to us. But if you're a Palestinian or an Egyptian or an Iraqi or a Syrian or Lebanese, you'd have, you'd have difficulty with this. You'd have a real problem here. And sure enough, it's still going on to our very day. People and property, the two components of the Abrahamic covenant, the anchor of the plan of redemption. Well, that raises more than a few questions. And you have to wonder, how in the world will Abram have all these descendants when Sarai is barren? We'll find out on Friday. Hey, thanks for being with me, gang. And make sure you sign up for the free course on the book of Job that will begin on June 1st. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We will have a great time with that course. Make sure you're there. And I look forward to seeing you, all my listeners on the podcast on Scripture Uncovered. I'm sitting in front of a microphone in my study recording. I can't see you. But if you sign up for the Job course and you come to the discussion groups on Saturday morning or my office hours on Tuesday and Thursday, we can meet each other face to face. Won't that be fun? And I really look forward to seeing you. Okay, bye-bye now. I will be back with you on Friday.